Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, a couple more training camp practices in the books. At the time we are taping this, there are six down, and family night is right around the corner here for the Green Bay Packers. I want to start the discussion today talking about young players and what I mean is not necessarily the rookies but the young guys we always hear about the year two the year three jump that kind of thing training camp is a time that you start to see the the seeds being planted so to speak for maybe those jumps to happen in the game action somewhere down the line so is there a guy one of these younger players that you sort of see with that arrow pointing up already here in camp? I'm glad you gave us a pre-production rundown on this because <laughs> my natural tendency would have been just to say Rashawn Gary again. <laughs> uh, but, but since I've played that card a number of times now, yes, let's look at the second and third year players uh, and how they're looking now in this next camp. One of the guys I featured in a story I wrote for Packers.com this week was Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, for a number of reasons. One, he ended up catching the 34-yard touchdown at the end of the two-minute period, the first two-minute period of training camp from Aaron Rodgers. A little physicality involved on that play. There yeah. was some joking in the locker room afterwards whether or not the challenge flag would have been thrown for pass interference. But be that as it may, it was a nice catch and a nice play that he made and, and something that I think Valdez-Scantling has been looking to showcase with his skill set the second thing was actually going back to his offseason, uh, and he once again worked out with Randy Moss, uh, the infamous Vikings receiver, but also a pro football Hall of Famer. Yeah. They worked out together last year down in Tampa, but it was only for a week. Uh, this year, Valdez Scantling, he really enjoyed that. He felt like he got a lot from it, so he decided to go back down there, spent a whole month with Moss, uh, going over everything from route adjustments to hand placement You know, when you're, you're at the line of scrimmage to just overall what it's like to be in the NFL and to, to use that skill set. The thing that's impressive to me, though, is you look at him, six foot four, 206 pounds, 4'3", 740. He doesn't, he's not looking to become Randy Moss. He wants to be MVS. But if you're looking at a guy that used very similar skills to the fullest, uh, it, I mean, you really can't find anybody better than Randy Moss. Yeah, the thing that, the thing that is interesting to me about MVS is, the extra steps that he has taken already in the young stages of his career. We talked a lot last year as a rookie about how he had this process of writing and rewriting the plays and his routes and his assignments and everything. On paper, it was the way to cement it in his memory. He would just do it over and over and over again. And a lot of diligence, yeah. a lot of effort in doing that. But he wasn't a guy who made assignment mistakes when it came to the system out on the field as a rookie. Now heading into his second year, he's learning a new system again. So he's doing that process, the, the whole writing stuff down on paper. But now he's going out as well. And as you said, taking an entire month to work with a Pro Football Hall of Famer. And I can only imagine what those conversations are like because a guy like Randy Moss seen it all and done it all you know when you talk about say just as an example the hand fighting at the line of scrimmage when a guy is trying to jam you well 
Guys tried to jam Randy Moss every which way but Sunday over the course of his Hall of Fame career. So if there's a way to get to to counter a certain move, Randy Moss knows what yeah. it is. And in in terms of that similar body type, the frame, he knows exactly how a guy like Valdez Scantling can use his type of frame to make that move and make it work. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting approach by MVS, and I'm really curious to see just how it shows up here in his second season. Yeah, and the MVS said too. I mean, it isn't just about those big home run threats. The reason why Randy Moss is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame is not because he just was a great go route receiver and could you know take the top off the defense. But it Which was he because, could, but yes. <laughs> but it was because he had he could run the full route tree. Yeah. He was an all-around player. That's where MVS is trying to get right now. Let's face it, Mike, this is a wide-open competition. We've seen every receiver practically on this receiving core make a play here through the first week of training camp. And getting reps with Aaron Rodgers. There's exactly. been a lot of rotation going on. Big rotation there. So as much as, you know, this year, you know, it's about a young man trying to come in solidify not only a spot on the roster he wants to show that he can be an every down player in this offense one of the first things that Aaron Rodgers said when we came back from the offseason program was saying that he believes that MVS has that kind of potential and it's those type of relationships that type of investment that he made this offseason that's going to help him get him there he also mentioned no vacations in that trip he was just (laughs) going down there it was all business no trips to some exotic places he just wanted to become a better receiver yeah well I'm Definitely interested to see just how that translates when we get to the real games, because I certainly think that MVS is going to be getting his share of snaps in this Matt LaFleur offense. Another guy to talk about, young player, arrow pointing up, as I prefaced before. We heard from the Packers coordinators on Monday, if I can keep my days straight here in training camp. It's kind of Groundhog Day, like all these days, uh, you know, over the same thing over and over again. But... We heard from Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator, and if there's a if there's ever been a straight shooter of an assistant coach at that podium, it's Mike Pettin, right? He doesn't doesn't throw around throw around a lot of platitudes. He uh, he tells it like it is, and to hear him say that if he were to pick one guy that he's seen now in his heading into his second year as coordinator of the Packers defense, that he would label the most improved defensive player, it's Montrevious Adams. The third-round pick in 2017 out of Auburn, kind of a lost rookie season due to injury, had a foot injury very early in training camp and never really got going as a rookie, but then didn't make the best impression on Mike Pettin in his second year, Pettin's first year in 2018 with the defense. But that's changing, isn't it? It is. In in two Adam's credit, it started to change at the end of last season. Yeah. Pettin said in the spring, the first time he met him, he said, my opinion of him wasn't that high, and he knew that. And it was funny because talking to Montrevious in the locker room this week, he did know that for a fact. Yeah. Mike Pettin isn't just brutally honest no, with reporters. Yeah. He's brutally honest with his players He was as very well. upfront with, with Adams yeah. about this stance. Absolutely. But to Adams' credit, if you think about that any walk of life, someone does that, it can be demoralizing. It can affect your confidence, but it can also affect your productivity if you take it the wrong way. Sure. Adams didn't do that. Adams took it the right way. He adjusted. He made the mental changes he needed to make. And this year, the biggest change he's made was really with his dieting. He said he got up to about 315 last season. He's listed at 304. This year, he returned back to camp under 300 pounds. The main reason he did that is he felt like he still had the necessary power to play that position, but he wanted to be faster. He wanted to be quicker. He wanted to be able to you know, beat guys off the line more. 
And the Packers have been really pleasantly pleased with what they've seen from him through this first week of camp. Yeah. But before all these, as you mentioned, these platitudes, these different statements were made, you go back to the offseason. I can't tell you how many offensive and defensive linemen were kind of muttering about how Adams had made a big jump. And as much as Petten's words got a lot of headlines this week, it wasn't something that we haven't already heard. And yeah. when the Packers made the move to move on from Mike Daniels, you have to have some more guys ready to take that spot. They feel like Adams, after taking a full offseason now working with Dean Lowry and, and Kenny Clark in the base defense, is really ready to take off. Yeah, well, I'll be honest with you. We certainly did hear it during the spring, but as we've talked about, and I've been around this long enough that anything I hear in the spring, right. I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. When you start to hear the same kinds of things after the pads go on in camp, when the contact yes. ratchets up, when the intensity of practice ratchets up, and then you're still hearing the same things about those young players and, and the growth pattern that they're on, then you know it really starts to mean something, at least to me as, as an observer, as a reporter covering the team. So that, uh, that definitely goes a long way. And let's face it, Wes, there is no question, it's not the only factor, but Montrevious Adams' progress and what they saw from him at the end of last season through the offseason this year was a factor in them being comfortable moving on from Mike Daniels yeah. and, and saying, all right, number 90, this third-year pro out of Auburn that we drafted in the third round a couple years back, he's going to get more opportunity, more responsibility, and they're counting on him to come through. Yeah, and Tyler Lancaster, that whole rotation, Kingsley Kiki, uh, that defensive line is more than two or three players. You have to be deep. I think last season proved sometimes no how question. deep you have to be at that spot. Yeah. So I think this is a move. I, I likened it in one of our conversations, I think, on Unscripted already, to they had to go, you know, Josh Sitton was released. Lane Taylor had to step up, and now Adams is going to be in a similar spot. The other thing I like about Adams, too, and I asked him about this in the locker room, you know, he's a father of two now. We all know that story about the night that he got drafted. You know, yeah. his, his fiance was in labor, and th that is in the back of his mind. He doesn't want to just be a, a one-and-done type player. He wants to play in this league for eight, nine years. You know, beyond that, and, and set his family and his children up for the future. Yeah, that's his extra boost. He said, and, and it's something that's pushing on this camp. Yeah. Well, before we move on, I just have to throw out another Mike Petton quote that I thought was a classic <laughs> the other day when he said he likes having a noisy defense. And yeah. what he means by that is listening to the guys hollering back and forth and talking and communicating. He says, if your defense out there is quiet, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and. His his response was in a question to, okay, what is different about your defense now at this stage in year two compared to where you were in year one? The short answer being the guys are talking a lot more. There's a, there's a lot of communication, a lot of hollering going on, and he likes that. He likes hearing all the noise in the back end from his players. Yeah, and as much as it is Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Adrian Amos and all the guys they added – a lot of this, too, is the guys like the Montrevious Adams and, and the Oren Burks and the, the players the Packers are expecting to step up from those drafts that they've had the last few years on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. I think the really fun thing for Green Bay right now is they have a lot of those personalities. They aren't afraid to speak their mind, the Jair Alexanders of the world, and, and I think he's that's why they're hitting the right decibel level that uh, yeah. Petten's been searching yeah. for. There we go. All right, well, I'm going to put you on the spot here quickly. Yep. Six practices in. 
What's your play of training camp so far? You know, for me, there's so many that you could pick from here. I I still really liked that pass that Deshaun Kaiser threw to uh, Equinemia St. Brown. I believe it was in last Saturday's practice, um, just because he missed on it the day before. And you can have all the arm talent in the world, Mike, but if you can't put it where it needs to be, it's kind of negated. Yeah. And I, I feel, you know, Kaiser's still a young quarterback, still only 23. There's still room for growth. But I like the deep ball accuracy improvements that I've seen from him in this camp. Uh, and I also like the fact that St. Brown got rewarded for a play that he got open on the day before, was able to get above the defense on the second one and, and bring it in. But, man, there, there are, I don't want to steal any from you, but, I mean, there's so many catches. The Jake Kumro sideline grab. Um, there's been some really special plays I've felt so far through this camp. Yeah, well, you had mentioned a big one earlier, the uh, the MVS play to conclude the two-minute yeah. drill where he's one-on-one going down the sideline with Jair Alexander, deep ball from Aaron Rodgers, makes a great adjustment kind of cutting, swimming inside of Alexander to then make a diving catch in the end zone. Now, there was some controversy. The defensive players thought maybe that's going to be offensive pass interference. So because of the controversial nature of that one, I won't pick it. But I want to go back to um, the other day there was a blitz drill in 11-on-11 where Mike Pettin is showing all kinds of crazy defensive fronts. The offense has got to figure out who's coming and whatnot. Now, the offense was a little slow in that period in getting the play in, getting out of the huddle, getting up to the line of scrimmage. They were very deliberate about some things, and that part definitely needs to smooth out. But there were back-to-back plays in that sequence. One where Rodgers hit a hot read to Jimmy Graham on a slant to yeah. beat a blitz, and then another one where he took the the either three- or five-step drop and, uh, and threw, I guess you'd call it like a slot fade in a sense because Geronimo Allison is running down the seam from the slot but Rodgers just threw it up there as like a 50-50 ball type of thing, and Allison just makes a great move reaching over top of the defender to pluck the ball out of the air. Those are the kinds of things. Whatever you've got with new scheme, new offense, and all the things these guys have to learn, when it comes to a defense putting pressure and bringing the blitz on a third down and whatnot, that's where Aaron Rodgers and veteran players who have played with him are going to make a difference here. And to see those back-to-back plays to Graham and Allison I thought was a really good sign for this offense. It's, especially since it's going to be two guys I think the Packers are going to be relying on yeah. this season. They need Jimmy no Graham doubt. to be a difference maker, and certainly Allison looks like he's the, the front runner to be that slot receiver in those packages where they go there. You need to be able to feed those guys. If there's one other thing I can mention, and it's not a particular play, but it's going to the one-on-one pass rush drills. Okay. Un- unlike my days at the Press Gazette, I no longer just keep an like a Excel spreadsheet of who I consider won and lost. But for my money, this is the most impressive the outside linebackers have been in at least – four or five years, probably going back to the year that Jaron Elliott uh, started to open some eyes. I think his rookie year, Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary were made for that drill. <laughs> it's incredible. Not yeah, only they're showing up in that one for what sure. What they're doing off the edge, but also inside. Uh, Reggie Gilbert had a really nice move uh, in yesterday's practice to get the, to what I would consider to be a win. Yeah. Tyler Fackrell had back-to-back wins. That group right now, as it stands, Mike, I'm not saying they're going to surpass how many sacks they had last year. You don't need that. It's about pressures. It's about consistency. And it's about holding up your edge and you're, you know, being accountable. But for all the investments the Packers have made on that side of the ball, you could be underwhelmed going into a camp if they don't do anything. So to say if you're overwhelmed to a certain extent, 
I think there's a credit that goes to them for that. Now it has to translate. You have yep. to be able to put it on the field during yep. games and when the, the clock is actually running. But those uh, those outside backers for the investments the Packers made there, I think they're seeing some intriguing returns right now on that investment. Yeah, I would agree with you. Family Net's right around the corner, Wes. Um, yeah. The, the big practice under the lights at Lambeau Field coming up on Friday night. Anything in particular you're looking forward to, you're going to have your eye on, so to speak, as we head into that practice? I mean, I'd be remiss to not mention that I said pizza uh, <laughs> when I answered that insider inbox. Uh, I've always enjoyed Family Night for two reasons. One, it, it's cliche, but it is cool seeing that environment come back together because you got to remember it's been at that point eight months since we've had – uh, been in, involved in a crowd that that's that big you yeah. know, since that finale against the Lions. So it's always cool to kind of get that first little taste of it before you get into the preseason. But the second thing I always like, too, is that it's not a preseason game. They aren't scrimmaging anymore. Right. But it is always something noteworthy to see how young guys respond to that environment uh, because you've seen some that have completely melted under it. And you've seen some guys, you know, that look good early on, really galvanize their position uh, with solid performances in that uh, in that climate. So, um, you know, Sam Ficken will probably end up kicking some field goals, I would imagine, if Mason Crosby isn't there. So there's a lot of different variables there that the first time in front of 70,000 people, um, it's just a different environment than when you're in front of 2,200 over at Nitschke. Yeah. Well, if I were to pick out two guys that I'm definitely going to have my eye on, specifically Friday night, one on each side of the ball. The first one is Jamon Moore, the second-year yeah. wide receiver. We talked a lot about MVS earlier in the show. But I said this in Insider Inbox the other day. If I were to pick who Deshaun Kaiser's favorite target is when he's been running the number two offense in practice in the 11-on-11. I think it's been Jamon Moore. Number 82 has made his share of plays with Deshaun Kaiser, and he did make one the other day also when he got a rep with the ones and made a play and made a catch for Aaron Rodgers as well. This is a young guy. We all know his rookie season did not go as hoped, but He's showing some signs of the improvement that he's putting that behind him, that uh, that there's progress there, and he just has to keep climbing. He just has to keep climbing that hill and, uh, and keep that arrow pointed in the right direction. Another guy that I'm definitely going to be watching for, and this is one of the rookies, sixth-round draft pick out of Toledo, the cornerback, Kadar Holman. And I bring him up because I wrote about him on the website the other day when they went to the two-minute drill in practice for the first time in training camp, they went to two-minute. Kevin King, who's been obviously taking all the snaps at cornerback with the number one defense, they sat him out and rested him. They're monitoring his reps a little bit, given his health history and everything like that. Kadar Holman, the rookie sixth-round pick, was the guy they put in at cornerback with the number one defense. Now, Josh Jackson has not practiced yet, still dealing with a foot injury, so that was certainly a factor there as well. But number 29, this uh, this young man from Toledo West, he's uh, he's catching some eyeballs. He is, and, and it's noteworthy even though, as you mentioned, you had the injuries there. There's about 48 defensive backs on this offseason roster, it almost seems like, uh, to be able to sort of stay above the pack in front of the fray a little bit. I think speaks well to Holman, especially as sort of, I don't want to call him a flyer. It'd be disrespectful to say that, but he didn't come from a power five conference school. Right. He, he was, you know, a, a guy that kind of came on late. We've that's well documented at Toledo. 
Didn't have the most interceptions in the world. But the thing that impressed me going even back to the offseason program is how it just seemed like assignment sound he is, being able to stay on his receiver. Not a grabby-type cornerback. It seems like he's able to rely on his natural athleticism. He ran a great 40 time, and it seems like it translates in that regard. Yeah. And let's be honest, Mike, the Packers at some point in time this season are going to have to rely on the number five, number six cornerback. Oh, yeah. So for Holman to It'll get happen. those reps now, very valuable. Also want to mention, just getting back to Jamon Moore very quickly, he's making the plays he needs to make. I haven't had a chance to interview Jamon yet at this yeah, point. Yeah, I haven't talked to him yet but either. But for my money and what I'm seeing on the field, he just looks like he's playing football again. One of the things last summer was just it, he was double, you know, double clutching balls and you know just has you know there'd be some that would go off his hands. There was one fumble on an end around that he had early in camp, but beyond that, he's been pretty consistent. So uh, if he, as you mentioned, he needs to continue to build, but. There's a reason why he was the first of those three receivers yep. taken. There's a lot of ability there. There was a lot of production at Mizzou. So I, this, these next couple weeks here are going to be huge for him to show, really, in these game settings, how far he's come. Yeah, and I'd be remiss heading into family night if I didn't mention the first-round draft pick, Darnell Savage. He returned to practice on Tuesday, been out with uh, having a wisdom tooth extracted, kind of a, a, a surprise emergency-type procedure right before training camp. He's going to be getting his workload increased little by little here. So we'll see come Friday night under the lights at Lambeau Field if he's going to be thrown into either some 7-on-7 seven seven or perhaps some 11-on-11 11 11 and see what happens there because he, he was working as the number one, or I should say with the number one defense alongside Adrian Amos at safety all throughout the offseason program since he arrived. Yeah, and if there's one spot, not to say you know you don't need to be on the field for every single play, but safety is the one that seems to be as long as you're in the classroom as long as you're out there taking the mental reps he's going to get what he needs out of that and i'll also point out if he needs any tips on how to work through wisdom teeth uh you know our our intern over here ali pinter she was very diligent and in staying accountable and pushed through her own uh recent surgery there so credit to ali all right hats off to her well with that we got to go because uh practice coming up here pretty soon we got to get out on the field so with that we will sign off on packers unscripted be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and everything going on at training camp on packers.com on twitter he's at west hot i'm at mike spofford at packers for the team account follow us like us on itunes and other podcast services if you uh prefer to just listen to us rather than to uh look at our faces but either way thanks for tuning in everybody we will see you next time 